Um, I, it's going to be hard to concentrate this morning. I don't know why. You guys are very distracting. Uh, you know, I said la- last week we divided our message into two parts. Uh, we established uh, our question, just for the record, was if God is good all the time, why do bad things happen to people who love and serve him? Are some people more blessed than others? Um, we, we established last week, I think as Christians, we can uh, expect a certain degree of difficulty, a certain degree of suffering in our lives. When I talk about suffering, I'm, I'm looking at the big picture, pretty much anything negative, whether that's illness, hardship, uh, persecution would be included in that, but just suffering in general, um, we can expect that as Christians. A a certain degree of that is going to happen in our lives. The upside of that, I suppose, uh, is that when we go through those difficult times, they really are part of the transformative process of us being formed into the image of Christ. Our, Our goal really in life as Christians is to become more and more like Jesus all the time, and, and to be honest, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how we can do that if everything just goes good. Let me just ask one quick question. Um, you know, you can show hands if you want, but uh, how many of you pray more when things are going rough than when things are going good? It's just, again, it, it's, it's, it's my theological perspective that the challenges of life, suffering, the difficulties of life are not God's intent, they're not God's plan or will for our life, but that he does utilize those things in our lives to cause us to grow and to become more like him. Um, the, the reality is that uh, there's a spiritual battle going on, that there are kingdoms in conflict, that we have an enemy who's seeking to destroy our lives and will do anything and everything he can to, to really disrupt the plan and purpose of God in our lives. That, that really is the big picture. That's what's happening kind of out there. But in any specific situation, in terms of why this thing is happening to me right now, I want to say it, 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 it might very well be impossible to know. Sometimes we can know. Sometimes there's a direct cause and effect, but sometimes there's not because we live in an amazingly, amazingly complex world. There's just so much happening both on a physical, natural level and on a spiritual level all the time that it might be impossible for us to really pinpoint why this is happening right now. The the truth is God is infinite. We are not. We are finite in our ability to really discern and understand. Uh, We can seek him on some things and we can try, uh, but sometimes we just don't know. And and we have to be willing to live in that tension and with that that paradox of Christian life. Sometimes we just don't know. Um, So today what I want to do is is continue last week and really talk about, so what do we do? How do we respond? What's the appropriate response to difficulties. Uh, the, the chances are very good that every one of us will at some point in our history encounter some difficulties in our life, some form of suffering. For some that will be sickness, for some that will be relational, for some that will be financial, for some that will take different forms, but the chances are that all of us will experience some of those things somewhere in our life. So how do we react to that? That's what I want to look at today. Um, so I'll start with a little uh, story. In my previous life, I was a gardener, and I drove a truck around Orange County, California with gardening equipment in the back. I went from place to place and mowed lawns and trimmed shrubs, and it was a glorious life. It really was, I tell you. Uh, the boys talk about a charmed life. Uh, you know, nothing better than living in 80-degree sunshine and mowing lawns all day. Um, my, uh, our, our worship leader at the church, a guy named Eddie Espinosa, he was so proud of the fact that as a Mexican-American, he had a white gardener. He loved to just let everybody know that he had turned the tables. And uh, so uh, 
you know, uh, but because I spent a lot of time uh, driving around a truck, I, I listened to the radio and I listened to a lot of Christian talk, uh, which, uh, you know, I've, I've got to say this, I'll just do a little jab here, but back in the day, to be quite honest, there was a lot more Bible and less politics on Christian radio. I have just not been impressed with where it's gone in the last 30 years, but back then there was these guys that basically just taught the Bible, my favorite by far, hands down, every single day, I love to listen to a good old boy named J. Vernon McGee. Some of you remember J. Vernon. Uh, J. Vernon McGee would end his program every day the same way. There he is. God is still on the throne. If I can't do it, God is still, I know that voice he had. Uh, I didn't know J. Vernon had passed away. He was still on the radio every day for like 20 years after he died, and he kept going. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. And I heard that every day. I, I, oftentimes, I'd get to my next account, and if, if, if uh, J. Vernon McGee was on, I would just sit in the truck and listen to the rest of the program before I'd go, go back to work, and it was kind of a nice little uh, break in my day. Uh, before I get to the main point, though, I've got to give you one more, one more little J., J. Vernon. I love this. This is God's universe. He does things his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. I love that. It's too bad. Sorry. Uh, You're out. So um, my point in sharing about Jay Vern with you today is that I think the first and foremost thing we can do when we encounter difficulties is to pray. And you guys, most of you said that, yeah, you do. You pray more when things are are challenging than, than when things are good. Let me say this. In any given situation, there are so many variables uh, some, you know, very often you feel powerless, don't you? Because we have no control. We don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't have control over this situation. Uh, and, and we feel as though there's, there's nothing I can do to, to help this circumstance right now. The one thing we can do in those times, you're absolutely correct. There are some things that we have no ability to control. Uh, and in one regard, we have no power over, but we can always pray. We can always pray. We have the ability to not only influence the situation, but to influence God in the situation when we pray. Jay Vernon was really right. Prayer does change things. Prayer changes things. We have the ability to influence the mind and the heart, the activity of God when we pray. There are more conditional promises connected to prayer in Scripture than any other human activity. More conditional promises in Scripture connected to prayer than any other human activity. Uh, we, We really can persuade we can move the hand of god when we pray um one verse that indicates that and again there are many many one that many of us are familiar with second chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven i will forgive their sin and heal their land god wants to forgive he wants to heal uh, but by his sovereign plan uh, he has invited us into that process. He said, I want to work with you in how my will is accomplished in this life. If you'll turn to me, if you'll seek me, if you'll pray, then together we'll work. I can bring healing and I can bring forgiveness into your people. John Wesley, another one of my heroes, I picked that picture because it's kind of weird. Usually, Wesley spent a lot of time on horseback, and so most of the portraits of him, he looks grumpy, which I would be grumpy if I was on a horse all day too. That one, he's kind of got that little weird smile. But Wesley said, God will do nothing but an answer to prayer. Um, I was thinking, I think that's an overstatement. I, I, I don't know if that's absolutely true. But I, then, I, then I was thinking, well, who the heck am I to argue with John Wesley? So uh, I will just go with it. I, you know, I mean, good grief. Um, l- look, 
Um, God created us for relationship. And as you all know, relationship just can't exist without communication, right? Communication is such a vital part of any relationship. And prayer is one of the ways that we communicate, maybe the primary way we communicate with God. It's such, such an important aspect of our Christian life, of how we live and what we do every day. Uh, our, our walking out our life in Christ has so much to do with our prayer life. So uh, I, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know in that, but I, I, I do want to add this. Um, part, of our, part, part of our role in God's kingdom is that, w- that we are to co-reign on the earth with him, all right? And there are a number of verses that indicate that, some in creation and Genesis, others in the letters uh, in the New Testament, and then ultimately in Revelation, that God has created us to co-reign with him in the world. And let me say this, I, I, think, I think one of the primary ways that we co-reign with God is through prayer. God gave us dominion over the earth, and that's a, people have misinterpreted that, I think, in a number of ways, what that means. I really believe a, a big way in which we exhibit dominion, authority over the earth is through our prayer life that we pray. I don't think it means that we're to, to rule and reign with an iron fist. I think it's to cooperate with God by praying and speaking his kingdom and his will into situations. Um, the question arises, I, I, you know, I'm sure, uh, at least for me it does, how come one prayer is answered and one isn't, you know? Um, and and I, I know everybody said, well, every prayer is answered. Sometimes the answer is no. Okay, I'll give you that. But sometimes, <laughs> why is the answer no? Uh, so um, wh- why does that happen? And, and again, there are a lot of variables, uh, but, but really here's the thing. Prayer is a powerful weapon, but we're still at war. Okay, prayer is a powerful weapon, but we're still at war. At the end of the day, uh, in a given situation, we don't know why this prayer what we ask for is received and this one isn't. We can't determine that. But I don't think that should ever stop us from praying. I often say this. I just shared this the other day. Uh, if, if we pray, we don't know what the outcome might be. If I pray for God to move in a certain way, he might, he might not. He might move differently. He might do what I'm asking. He might not. I don't know what the outcome will be. If I don't pray, I'm pretty sure what the outcome will be. Nothing. If we don't pray, nothing will happen. At that level, I agree with Wesley. Uh, our, our prayers are, are, are powerful, and we need to do them uh, to pray to keep God's will moving forward. Second thing we want to do is fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, sometimes in, in hardship, it's so hard to focus on anything else but what we're going through. I know that. I've been there, and I think some of you have. I've, I've talked and prayed with some of you through some of those times when there's so much pain, there's so much challenge, suffering, difficulty in your life that it's all you can fo- focus on. And I want to encourage you with all my heart, as difficult as it is, and this is why being in community is so important, to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, I think is one of the most insightful passages, uh, 12, 1 and 2, in the entire New Testament as to how we live out our life with Jesus. Most insightful. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the, uh, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Remember what I said a few weeks about this first starts with therefore? Anybody remember? When there's a therefore, 
You want to know what it's there for. That's so easy. Remember that. So the therefore here is in reference back to chapter 11, which, of course, the entire chapter is about those people of God, people of faith who suffered, who were persecuted. Because of that, when we look at that, we, we want to run with endurance the race before us and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's a long race. Let me just say that. It's a, it, life is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long race. And there's going to be hills and valleys. There's going to be ups and downs. There, there's going to be difficult times. There's going to be times when you twist an ankle and you have to run hurt. There's times when, you, know, when you, you might have to take a break, when you get overly tired. All that stuff is going to happen. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, two things happen. One is our perspective changes. You talk, we talk about a paradigm shift, about seeing uh, a different worldview, life in a different way, and we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I tell you, it gives you a totally different perspective than looking at the problem. Uh, the second thing, I think, is just simply it helps you keep running. It just helps you keep running. I, I, if you look at the pain in your own life, I, I, I frankly, I'll be honest, I think there have been a hundred times, maybe more, more times in my life, I'd have just quit. I said, I'm done. I, I'd be done. But when I, when I look at him, I go, oh, no, I can't quit. I can't, that's, that's too beautiful. That's too good. That's too precious to not move forward and, and, and head into. Um, while, while we realize that life is hard, I want to say this, and, and this is the point of, of so much of the, the passages about Jesus in the New Testament, there's nothing that he doesn't understand. There's nothing that he has not endured. There's nothing that we go through that he hasn't gone through before us and that he doesn't go through with us. And that's my third point, is simply that God is with you in everything. I, that, guys, here's, here's my, uh, bless you. Uh, Psalm 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers... They will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I'd encourage you guys with all your, my heart, to your hearts, whatever. Do what you do, whether it's on your phone. I, you know, I'm old school. Three by five card, tag it on the, the bathroom mirror. Just write the verse down and memorize it. Just write that verse down and memorize it. And when things get rough, uh, just remember, I will be with you. I, if you if I have a family member who I love who's going through a hard time a few weeks ago and uh, a baby and the baby was sick and they weren't sure what was wrong they were very worried and praying I sent her that verse in a text she called me back just crying just thank you so much because that changed everything for me just I'll be with you whatever we whatever we go through God's with us in it all this is what Jesus said Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I, uh, I, I did a little study. I looked up that word always in the Greek. You know what it means? It means always. Always. That doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. There's no time that God isn't with us. He will always be with us. Let go of the why and confront evil. I, I want to say this as graciously as I can, but sometimes I, I, I know in our own Difficult situations, it's really easy to hold on to things. Sometimes we hold on to grievances against others. Sometimes we hold on, we try to assign blame. I think it's very, and I don't mean like to point the finger necessarily, but just even in the why did this happen, why did this happen, we're looking for a reason, we're looking for a cause, and we'd like to be able to pin it on something or someone somewhere. And, and when we hold on to those things for too long, they take control of us and they begin to consume our lives. Um, and, and I know, I understand it's human nature. Everybody's going to ask that question. If 
But I would, I would encourage you to, to, as quickly as you possibly can, to give that thing over to God and, and let go of it. Let go of that question. One thing I found interesting about Jesus, you know, he, he never was concerned about why something happened. Uh, there, there's a, you, you guys know about uh, the, the passage. I think um, there was one t- a couple times uh, they were talking about the blind guy and who sinned? The disciples want to know. Who, what was the why? Why did this happen? Did his parents sin or did he sin in utero? Which I think is just a beautiful insight on their part. Um, uh, Jesus didn't answer the question. He moved right on to what happens next. Same thing. At one point, they brought up the situation of uh, some people that were put to death by Pilate, other people that were killed in the collapse of a tower. Those are just things that happen in life. Uh, Jesus doesn't care about why. Uh, he says they're no more guilty than anybody else. If you think they're guilty, you know you better watch out. Uh, he, he, basically, he's not w- concerned with why something happened. I, I think Jesus wants to advance the kingdom in every situation. Um, I, I think, to be honest, a much better question to ask is, what can I be doing right now to help alleviate the pain and suffering of this situation and, and to advance God's kingdom? To bring God's kingdom to bear in this situation, what can I be doing rather than... Rather than asking, why is this happening to me? What can I do right now? Because even if it's happening to me, there are things we can do to rise up and, and advance the kingdom of God in the midst of our own pain and suffering. And that, again, leads me to my next point, which is simply to forgive. Um, it's such a powerful healing agent to forgive. It's just such a powerful healing agent to forgive. Um, Matthew 18, this is again, I mean, Peter came to Jesus, he asked, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I think Peter was trying to be, you know, generous. Um, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, 77. You guys know Jesus doesn't mean 77 times literally, right? You know, he just means you just keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving. Again, forgiveness... Lack of forgiveness can be such a prison. It can, it can hold us in prison. You know, I, I mean, the story I shared last week was tragic and moving all at the same time. But if, if that man hadn't gone and forgiven the, the, the person who harmed his daughter, then it's just tragic. Then it's just tragic. So much of what we see in the world today is just tragic. But when that element of forgiveness enters in, then it moves our hearts. I, I don't know about you, but when I hear about that, uh, you know, the rare times that we hear about that, I go, that's power. What happened was tragic, but that's power right there. Uh, don't allow yourselves to be locked in that prison of unforgiveness. Even this morning, I would just say, you know, as the Holy Spirit illuminates your hearts. If you, if you become aware of anything that's, you know, uh, still locked in there, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to let that go. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I'll talk about forgiveness a little more. Um, Jesus said, in the Lord's, and, and again, you guys, I've told you this before, it's not the, this isn't the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. So go in your Bible right now where it says Lord's prayer. Cross that out and put John 17. Say, Gwen says, this is how you should pray, your Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts or our trespasses, as so many of us learn, as we forgive those 
who have trespassed against us. That uh, is powerful in and of itself that we are to forgive as we are to, to, you know, we are forgiven as we are to forgive. But the kicker really to me comes after the prayer. The kicker is this little add-on. Oh yeah, by the way, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others your sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is just a powerful statement. Oh my gosh. Do not let yourself be locked into that prison of unforgiveness. Let go of those things so that we can walk in the full grace of God. Next thing is live by the Spirit. Probably to me, the most fundamental instruction of Christian living in all of the New Testament is to just live by the Spirit. It's not the easiest thing. I'm just saying it's the most fundamental instruction. Uh, It's not always easy to live by the Spirit. But there are any number of verses. There's a few in Galatians, Romans, Romans that talk about living in the Spirit. Um, look, look, here's the thing. We can't know the cause of every situation that happens to us, but we can gain guidance in any situation. Okay, We can't know the cause of every situation, but we can gain guidance in any situ- situation. Direction from God is available to us as we walk in His Spirit. The book of Acts is full of situations where the Holy Spirit leads God's people and gives them guidance and direction in certain situations. I, I believe, contrary to some opinion today, that we can experience that same level of guidance, that the Holy Spirit, we can live in the Spirit today, we can walk out this life under His direction and guidance day by day, moment by moment, that in any specific situation, if we will seek Him out, God will give us direction as to where we're to go, what we're to do, what we're to say, uh, how we are to live that out. Uh, we can follow his leading. And so I would just encourage you, when you experience those difficult times, it's that question again, what can I be doing right now? Lord, what should, what should my role be? How do I respond to this? Even in pain, you can ask that question. And I tell you, sometimes in those painful places, the voice of the Lord is the clearest. The voice of the Lord is the clearest. And so he really will give us direction. Guys, last thing, and we'll close with this. We did pretty good. Um, I, I don't know how, how much I can say about hope. We have established, I think, and probably you're in agreement with me, that a certain amount of pain is inevitable in life. Uh, I think I, I would say, for my money, I, I, it's preferable to go through that pain with Jesus than go through it without him. If I have my options, or what it, my, my dad used to say, if I have my druthers, I'd rather go through it with him than without him. Um, we're going to face difficulties, but here's it. Here, this is this, we have this in our back pocket, and this is you get, I don't talk a lot about it. I just think to me there's a lot of emphasis on heaven, and I'm like, you know, heaven's going to be great. What, do you, what more can you say? It's going to be a good deal. Let's talk about what we do to, in this life. But we got to remember sometimes we got this to look forward to. Saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. No longer any sea. You know, the sea there is in reference to the turmoil and the waves. and the, the tur- That's what it's just in reference to, the, the turbulence. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He 
who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost. From the spring of water of life, those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. We have hope. Uh, I'll tell you. um, Well, here, I'll just let Paul tell you. Whatever you're going through in life, there's a glory that awaits. That nothing that we will face, I, and, I, and I would never belittle anyone's pain. I, I think that sometimes the pain that people endure in life is overwhelming to me, but I would never belittle that. But no matter what you go through in this life, it does not compare to the glory that God has for you ahead. Um, whatever, we, whatever suffering we endure, what, whatever challenge we face, the glory of God will so far supersede those things. I, I, I Believe me, they will all be washed away. So we'll, I want to end. I, last week I started this two-part with a story. I want to end with a story today. Uh, I, I, this has touched me this week. This is a this little more contemporary. It's not back in the 1950s. Um, some of you saw in the news uh, reports this week about a young lady named Kayla Mueller. Anybody know who that is? Uh, she's a young lady who was working as, uh, in humanitarian aid in Syria. She had previously been in um, Tibet and then Palestine, finally tur- into Turkey and finally into Syria. And somebody asked her, why are you going to Syria? It's one of the most dangerous places in the world. And she goes, because that's where the greatest need is. So she was 25 years old, just, just serving people, caring for those that were sick. She was taken captive in 2013 by ISIS. And then um, last week she was killed. And the death of her circumstances, or the circumstances of her death are unclear. I don't know. I'm not sure how she died, but she died. But when she died, her family released a letter that she had, uh, she had some fellow captors that were released at one point, and she had one little piece of paper, so she crammed every inch of it and wrote as much as she could to her family, um, and they got this out to her before this happened. And I just read it, and I want to share a couple of excerpts from Kayla's letter to her parents. She says, if you could say I have suffered at all throughout this whole, and this is quote, so the grammatical things and all that are all hers. I've suffered it all throughout this whole experience. It is only in knowing how much suffering I've put you all through. I'll never ask you to forgive me as I do not deserve forgiveness. I remember mom always telling me that all in all, in the end, the only one you really have is God. I've come to a place in my experience where in every sense of the word, I've surrendered myself to our creator because literally there was no one else. By God, by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall. I have been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison one can be free. I am grateful. I have come to see that there is good in every situation. Sometimes we just have to look for it. I pray each each day that if nothing else, you have felt a certain closeness and surrender to God as well and have formed a bond of love and support amongst one another. Please be patient. Give your pain to God. I should have put that on my list. Just give your pain to God. I know you would want me to remain strong. That is exactly what I am doing. Do not fear for me. Continue to pray as well. And by God's will, we'll be together soon. And uh, of course, that did not happen. But I just thought uh, that I had that faith. That I had the faith of a 25-year-old girl in prison in Syria. Give your pain to God. 
Why don't we stand? I want to close with some ministry time today, as we so often do.